0: what was that movie called batman and robin that yes. one was absolutely i mean you know they were flirting with queerness with michelle oh, yeah. pfeiffer's catwoman and all stuff but like that one fully came out with like i mean you could see like um batman and robin's like penis like through the molding of their whatever their jocks
1: were mm-hmm. in their costume. like
0: <laughs> i mean that movie was responsible for turning like at least half the population queer
1: Hi, hello, hi, hey there, I'm Trevor Campbell and this is You Made Me Queer, the show where queer folks tie up their phone line for a week to download an mp3 file that will not even play, yet still choreograph a lyrical jazz routine to it and make you watch. That's right, every episode I invite a fantastic 2SLGBTQIA+, guest to point the finger of blame at who and or what made them queer. What am I doing here? Uh, I could be asking you the same thing, but honestly, I swear, I swear to God, I'm trying to end my season. I'm not trying to be the person who stays at the party until everyone's left and they're the last one there. I have more tact than that, or at least I like to think I do, but here we are. And you know me, I am a Sagittarius, you might not know this. Uh, So when a delicious opportunity comes along, dad can't say no. Dad says yes, happy Father's Day to me. God knows I try to to move along, but um but here we are. I guess I don't try that hard because my guest today is Stephen Dunn. Ah, oh, this is a real exciting one for me. I had the opportunity to interview Stephen via a virtual press junket. Yes. The future is now. Uh, Stephen was very, very busy promoting a little project I'm going to talk about in just a few seconds, and I was able to squeeze my sorry ass in there and get a little bit of talk time. and uh, And I hope you enjoy it. So this is a real short one. This is just a little, a little taste on the tongue and a moose bouche of "You Made Me Queer." A special episode we will call You Made Me Queer as Folk. Yes, let's dive into Stephen's bio from Wikipedia and IMDb combined, a melange. Stephen Dunn was born on January 18th, 1989 in St. John's, Newfoundland and Labrador, Canada. He is a writer and director known for Closet Monster, yes, Swallowed, and Life Doesn't Frighten Me, and now as one of the writers, directors, and executive producers of Queer as Folk. The 2022 reboot. This is a reimagining of the 1999 Channel 4 series created by queer TV legend Russell T. Davies. You might also know the U.S. adaptation from 2000 to 2005 on Showtime. But Steven season is really sort of a continuation of that original series as a jumping off point. This means so much to me because... Russell T. Davies' first *Queers* folk, even though it took place in Manchester, and I was living in a coal town in Ohio. This was one of my first windows into any sort of imagining of queer culture, and this was dial-up internet time, just sort of on the the brink of cable internet. Uh, so I downloaded this first episode of *Queers* folk, the original series as a it wasn't even like a movie file it was a real player file which just ran on one piece of software it took i'm not kidding i think it took two weeks to get this file and when i finally downloaded it the largest it would open was like one tenth of our desktop computer screen and i could only watch it when no one else was home and i had to hide it in some weird subfolder on our computer so no one else would accidentally open it and I watched that episode so many times because I was like, how is this happening? Who are these people? What is this life that allegedly takes place on the same planet as me that is very different from my existence? And so fast forward, here we are. We learn, we grow. Uh, we look back and we see that was a overwhelmingly cis male gay white story which is really just this small, you know, to use moose bouche again. An amuse-bouche of the beautiful queer umbrella uh, and rainbow that we love and we want to give a mic to and give a broadcast slot to. So this is a reboot you do not want to miss. There are so many amazing people on it. I mean, I'm going to go to my personal favorite first, who's Juliette Lewis. Honestly, Juliette Lewis could walk into a cable access trash bag and it would get an Emmy. Immediately. It would just be issued. It would show up in the mail. Someone would ring the doorbell. There'd be one of those, sorry we missed you slips, potentially, saying, please come pick up your Emmy, because Juliette Lewis was in this. She just damn perfect. Uh, But anyway... She can march on over to her own podcast. I am here with Stephen Dunn, who was just a real treat to speak with. Um, I really appreciate Stephen taking the time. I'm so excited for the big debut of this show, which is coming up, I believe, this Sunday. Uh, different networks in the U.S. and Canada, so please check your local listings. You don't have to download it from LimeWire like this Joker did 22 years ago or whatever. Oh, God save us all. But anyway... Let's dive right in, because this is a quick one, but it's packed tight. So please enjoy my conversation with the queer as hell and queer as folk, Stephen Dunn.
0: You made me
1: queer. Stephen, hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm very good, thanks. I, I imagine you're sort of caught up in the flurry of promo press. You have a big project <clears throat> coming out. Um
0: yeah, definitely. We uh we just got back from San Francisco this weekend for our Frameline premiere, which was so lovely. Uh, what a great city to bring out a project like this. Yeah, definitely. So, so amazing and a beautiful drive along the coast too. Did you get to go down to LA from there? Um yeah, I I live in LA, but I drove I, and I drove from LA for the actual premiere book. I actually ran out of gas on the drive because uh, <laughs> there were no gas stations along the PCH. And um, I got stuck at the that the filming location where they shot Ratchet, where uh, Whoa. Uh, Sarah Paulson's house was like literally at that same hotel. It's very creepy.
1: I mean, <laughs> is that an accident or is that a gift from God? I know it's fate, I think, honestly. It's gay rights. Uh, it's 100% <laughs> it's gay rights. And I hope. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm happy you did that because... It's a bit of a long drive, but what a drive. What a gay drive. It is. It's truly, it's so beautiful. (laughs) So gorgeous. I'm so glad you did that. And listen, normally I would ask you more details about, (laughs) um, you know, the ratchet location and about the weather, about what you ate for lunch, etc. But because of time... I need to take you to a very angry place right now. Um, so basically, what, you know, what I do, I sort of deal in queer retribution at You Made Me Queer. And so what I want to call you into now is that, you know, you're someone who's worked on a lot of queer projects. So when we were growing up, when we were aspiring youth, uh, thinking of it, our place in the world, we thought we could be anyone. Uh, but it turned out we couldn't because so many forces were at work uh, Mm -hmm. hell bent on making us queer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's right. Talk about, talk about a a gay miracle whatever you call the car breaking down. It was out of our (laughs) hands.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it truly
1: was. Wait, you actually want me to talk about the car breaking down? (laughs) Well, listen, no, it's, this is going to be up to you in a minute because, um, that's why I've called you here today. I want to give you the opportunity as an adult with a microphone, Stephen Dunn, once and for all, who and or what made you queer?
0: Um wow, that's a great question. <laughs> um <laughs> one I love to answer, honestly. Um great. I I mean I think I like to think that like I made myself queer. <laughs> I think um yes. it was I probably a I think I was a, a definitely a factor in the <laughs> uh in the equation of my own queerness. But you know, I grew up in Newfoundland in. Mm-hmm. um in st john's i was not surrounded by i had no reference point for queerness really except for disney villains um that was probably <laughs> the extent of it growing up and listen
1: <laughs> they come up a lot i'll tell you that
0: yeah i'm sure they do because they 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 really are like early representation uh in a mainstream way i guess so like my my exposure to like a queer community my Yeah, my friend group. I did. I just. I didn't really have much exposure. I would say, like, honestly, like, the very first factor to usher me into queerness was probably the Pink Power Ranger, uh,
1: Kimberly, Amy Jo Johnson. Yeah, thank Um, you for doing the the triple name drop. Each one of those aliases (laughs) needs a shout out. (laughs) Absolutely, honestly. Um,
0: I, in all honesty, like, I actually wanted to be her for Halloween one year. And it was a huge, it was like, I asked my my parents
1: for the costume because that's what I wanted to go as. And um, And just in case anyone's not familiar, this is a pink, like a cotton candy pink unitard with a a motorcycle helmet, essentially, right?
0: Yeah, and a little skirt, of course, like a little leather pink skirt um, (laughs) to go with it. And... I don't know, there was just something so badass about, about this character.
1: Um and, and I also want to shout she had a sensible... Sometimes they have the female presenting characters with some long uh, hair that is not conducive to sports. Um, <laughs> but she had a cute little cut that was, like, real good for fighting aliens, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. She really did. Definitely, like, shoulder length. She had yeah. some bangs sometimes. Sometimes tying it back into a ponytail. It was, you know... She had options. It was... She had options. Was your hair like that um, at the time? Actually I did have long hair um at the time I I my hair was probably like shoulder length and I was made fun of a lot. I was um uh, around the boys in my class I was called it all the time because of was your pretty, hair yeah because I I guess I had like a an, adro- an androgynous sort of queer energy and look as a kid and um that was yeah that was what they called me in school at least some some of the some of the guys uh, which now, was, was pretty dehumanizing.
1: <laughs> yeah, words. I mean, tell me about it. <laughs> was this it a sort of like a proto um, non-binary attempt? Like I get that they were being jerks, but this wasn't yeah. a cousin it Adam's family Adam's family mm, reference. No, I guess it was.
0: It was a a pre gender non-binary or gender non-conforming pronoun right type of situation. But it actually, I think it, more than that, it was actually. Now that I think about it a little bit more, it was actually. I mean, more, it was really more about dehumanizing me. I think it was like about putting me in a different sort of category. And that's why I think I was really drawn to like really strong female heroes. I was uh, not just, I mean, Buffy the Vampire Slayer was my, was truly like, I think, you know, when I came into my own mind, it was where I actually found my strength. Like I have a Buffy tattoo on me. Oh, yes. Um, And that show was such a queer metaphor. Um, Mm -hmm. and I felt like I saw myself in that scene. I don't know how familiar you are with that show, but there's this scene where, um, Buffy's mom, Buffy comes out to her mom as a slayer and she has this great, there's this great scene where her mom starts asking like, have you tried not being a slayer? And like all of these, you know, these like coded words that any queer person can be completely triggered by. Um, But it became the metaphor about show became clear. But it also I think because i was I had such a rough childhood in a lot of those kinds of ways, i I was looking for strength and I was looking for a superpower to help, you know
1: I mean absolutely my own monsters. Like, I think nowadays sometimes we look back at that as sort of a what's become perhaps a cliche metaphor. But at the time, very much like with no other representation, we were like, which fictional monster has mm-hmm. a life that's the most like mine? And that was that was usually it. Sometimes like mm-hmm. an outcast heroine, mm-hmm. um, but for male-presenting queer kids growing up at a certain time, uh, good for you for finding that. And to answer your question, <laughs> I found Buffy really retroactively. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I was not on the ground floor. I cannot claim the street cred for that. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> really mine. <laughs> You Made Me Queer, we'll be right back. And now, back to more You Made Me Queer. You Made Me Queer! But I also want to go back to the pink Power Ranger. So what happened when you asked for that costume? Oof,
0: heartbreak, actually. Um,
1: I was really excited about it because I
0: finally, I got the impression it was going to happen, and then my dad came home with, I think, the blue Power Ranger. And, yeah, and it was like, she'd sold out it was what was the line that i heard but uh i didn't really i didn't really believe that uh <laughs> um, no, you're like bleach it and diet i don't care yeah, We're getting this thing. Yeah, pink. exactly yeah <laughs> no for for sure um but uh on a on a positive note though um i think it may have even been the year after i asked for poison ivy <laughs>
1: like <laughs> so, from Uma, batman forever
0: Absolutely. Like Uma Thurman's poison ivy. And, um, I got her. I, um, I, I somehow won the battle. I wasn't allowed to wear her to school. I had a different, okay. I don't know what I was, but, but, um, I wore her out in the, out in the street, out in those streets. Um, like, guess yes. my first time going out in drag, <laughs> Oh my god,
1: it gets better. It just took one year. Yeah, it does. Yeah, that's all it took, pretty much. (laughs) I love that. That's so badass, because uh, Batman, which I've talked about recently too, which is a pretty early franchise, very queer, I feel like. And the second Batman with Michelle Michelle Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer. Oh my god. And then, yeah. Yeah. Uma Thurman is like she's quite a level up. And and also, I mean, if we can say so, that's when all the weird body-shaped costumes had nipples added into. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> also,
0: I mean, what was that movie called? Batman and Robin. That yes. one was absolutely I mean, you know, they were flirting with queerness with Michelle oh, yeah. Pfeiffer's Catwoman and all stuff. But like that one fully came out with like I mean, you could see like um Batman and Robin's like penis like through the molding of their, whatever, their jocks are their percent like, I mean, that movie is responsible for turning, like,
1: at least half the population queer. I mean, honestly, because, like, what's the argument for that? Like, I get that, you know, knee pads and things need to be shaped somewhat, like the body <laughs> part underneath to accommodate them, but it's not like a nipple needs, like, a separate, <laughs> like, extension. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm here for it. You bring that that visible penis line, but yeah, please. It's important. That's very good. So I want to I want to encapsulate things too because I'm aware of our time. You blamed first. You blamed yourself, which (laughs) I appreciate. It's very Canadian. (laughs) Uh, Then you blamed. I think Power Rangers as a whole is fair. Specifically, Kimberly Amy Jo Johnson. Yeah, absolutely. Runner up to Billy the Blue Ranger yeah
0: yeah definitely
1: yeah he gave me my shame actually (laughs) yes oh no yeah billy was my i mean who'd you rather power ranger i think billy was mine yeah oh he was he was yours amazing well i'm happy for you well hey thanks so much look there's there's uh someone for for everyone and then we went on to batman specifically poison ivy like like Mm -hmm. such an absolute badass yeah,
0: absolutely! Oh my gosh, a plant queen too. Early queer icon, you know.
1: Yeah, yes, plant queen. Uh, environmentally yeah. conscious. You were precocious yeah. in so many beautiful ways. Yeah, really. She taught <laughs> me so much. Yeah. Here's the Uma um, for time. Anyone else you quickly want to touch on and blame because uh, this is a really special opportunity for you. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I. I, are we taking out, are we, ta- is, are we taking out frustration? Is that what we're, we're blaming? We're actually, I feel like I misread this when I, when I started going, cause I, uh, I'm grateful
1: to the pink power ranger. I'm, uh, you know, I'm angry at the yes. blue power ranger. Um, I mean, what's really... the difference between gratitude and anger? Sometimes nothing. It's so it's true. Fine.
0: It is. a It is. It's true. It is a fine line. Um, we touched on cat. Well, Catwoman has honestly been my go-to oh, yeah. for, for, I, I feel like, I feel like she actually represents like more of an adult version of sexuality. Like she, I feel like my mm-hmm. sexual identity kind of came a lot from Catwoman. What is that? Like, um, the mistletoe line that she says, like a mistletoe's, uh, deadly if you eat it, which I feel like is like, uh, I don't know. It's like this very coded queer line about the danger of, of sexuality in this fun, like, you know, campy
1: kind of way. I feel like that's. Uh, yes, I love it. <laughs> I feel like that's a, a huge signifier. She, for, yeah, she uh, definitely brought movie. a whole package in the sense of like uh, sex wrapped up with sort of villain, villainous behavior and excitement and, uh, you know, poison. And yeah, and a whip and a whip. God bless a whip. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that's a good one. So why don't we just, for for litigation's sake, blame the entire Batman franchise as a whole? Franchise, yeah. Yeah, gorgeous. know, fair. Honestly, I like to be comprehensive. <laughs> um, so you know, of yeah. course, if you think of something later, please let me know. Uh, but let's wrap things up. So, Stephen, before I let you go, would you like to play a game? Uh, sure, absolutely. Great. This game is called Queer, Queerer, Queerest.
0: Queer, Queerer, Queerest. Okay. I'm
1: going. I'm going to give you three things. Your job is to put them in order from least queer to most queer, and tell me why. Okay. Yeah, perfect. And this is going to be this is a special queers folk uh, geared edition. So your three things are number one, Manchester, <laughs> number two, Pittsburgh, and number three, New Orleans. Oh wow. Okay. Well, this is gonna get me in trouble,
0: but I yeah, careful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have to say, um, right in the middle, I think is Manchester. Mm. um i think manchester is queer i i think it's um you know an underappreciated uk city uh but it is also the one i have the least experience in i would say the least queer is pittsburgh and the reason why is because queer smoke was shot in toronto which i would say is a very queer city a city i i grew up in and is uh uh, but I don't we didn't really get to see Queer Pittsburgh in the show, actually. So yeah. um, that's why. And New Orleans, obviously. I mean, New I Orleans mean, is the queer mecca of the South. It's so punk. it's so queer.
1: Um, it is yeah, it it's it's queerness incarnate. Um, <laughs> it's I love queer that. Hell. I it's love queer it. it's queer hell. It's everything encapsulated. I would I, I wasn't sure how you were gonna go because Manchester, I think of sort of like a a longshoreman dockhand. <laughs> Which to me is like a queer fire alarm. But um, yeah, totally. That, the Pittsburgh uh, Toronto thing tracks. I actually spent part of my childhood just outside of Pittsburgh and um, oh. it was so, so queer. I mean, listen, not much to report. Uh, so let me okay. just check your nice. grades here, real quick, Stephen. One, two, three, four, five. Congratulations 100%. You are oh, in fact wow. a queer person. Oh my goodness! Thank you. It's, thank, it's an listen. honor just to be gay. To be <laughs> wow. It is. You're right. And uh, and send a, a tote bag or something special to Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman oh. and Uma Thurman. As oh, absolutely! Thank you. Beautiful. Thank, you, so thank you for playing. So, before I let you go, anything you want to plug? Um. Well, Queerest Folk.
0: Wait. Um. Queerest Stoke comes out uh, very soon. Oh, yeah. Um. On Showcase. I think it's the 20- twenty. It, what is it? The twenty fifth in Canada. And uh, it's out now on
1: Peacock. Go Gorgeous. Yeah. go, Please, people, go watch this. It's been quite a while, 20 years since uh, the last incarnation. And this one, I, I like to think this one's going to be the one for the ages. Yeah, me too. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And thank, thank you because when this conversation started, I was very queer. And talking to you, Stephen Dunn, has made me queerer than ever.
0: Oh, it's, wow, that's incredible. Well, <laughs> thank you, truly.
1: Bear witness. All right. Beautiful. Thank you so much. You take care.
0: Bye-bye.
1: Okay. And that is our show. Is my second season done? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I feel like I'm on that show jailbreak, which I didn't watch. So I don't know if there's any story parallel. All I know is I'd like to lay down in the grass with a cold drink in my hand, an ice pack on my face and a sweet little cyanide capsule beneath my molar. I'm just kidding. I'm just relax. I love this. I love this. This is my joy. This show is my first child, and I'm your dad. So, as always, you can mail me at youmademequeer at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. It's important. We're important. We'll get through this together. Cue credits. You Made Me Queer is created and produced by me, Trevor Campbell. Our editor is Sean Van Beaton. Our theme song is by Critty. For more for music, check out lavenderbruisers.bandcamp.com. Our website is www.youmademequeer.com. Our Instagram and Twitter handles are at Me Queer. New episodes of You Made Me Queer come out, oh, I don't know. And from the bottom of my big, bent heart, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, remember, we're We're here, we're queer, and it's your fault.